0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a spark special.
1: We're collaborating with the Children's
2: Society.
0: To bring you stories on the theme of awkward age. Here's Claire,
2: Director of Campaigns, to tell you a bit more. Enjoy! So thank you all very much for coming tonight. For those of you who might not have heard of the Children's Society, we're a national charity that works to improve the lives of vulnerable um, older teenagers. Predominantly, we work with 10 to 18-year-olds, and we do that work through running direct services, um, where we work one-to-one with those young people, but we also campaign to change laws and policies. Tonight's theme is Awkward Age. I think we've all been there, we've all been that age, so I'm sure there's going to be some great stories that we're going to hear. Many of the young people we work with, they're at an awkward age right now, but they're also dealing with some quite serious issues in their lives. Um, Many of the young people we work with might be suffering from mental health problems, domestic violence, poverty, exploitation. So for those young people, um, the issues are seriously awkward. That's the name of our campaign. And what we're trying to do is get the government to provide more support to these young people, because at the moment, the help just isn't there. And the minute they turn 18, any support that they did have disappears overnight. So um, a huge thank you again for coming. Um, I'm really excited about these stories. And uh, especially thank you to the brave people that are going to tell them. That was Claire.
0: Next up, Kate.
2: With the first of two stories on the theme of
1: awkward age. (laughs) Hello. That was quite the welcome. My story is about getting to grips with alcohol as a teenager. Um, I was 15, and a friend of mine had just moved to a new town, so I was visiting her. And um, in visiting her, I met this new group of cool people, and they were older than me and cooler, and they listened to All-American Rejects, and I thought that made them really edgy. So I was like, yes, I'm in. And whilst hanging out with my new friends, they invited me to a pool party the following week, which... Was based in the East Midlands, so it's not as glamorous as it, as it might sound. <laughs> but I was 15, so a pool party is pretty exciting. So I was like, yes, I'm there. So I went to this pool party, and um, in preparation, I got my hands somehow on some alcohol. You know, the, um, it's about this big, it's vodka. You know, it's high end vodka. And rocked up at this party with my vodka, ready to go. And because I was 15, I didn't really know about my limits or what a sensible amount of vodka to drink is, which now I'll tell you is none. (laughs) Unfortunately, I drank it all, and, yeah, (laughs) oh, And quickly became not only the youngest person at the party, but also the drunkest person at the party. And as the night went on, my night was not great. But my older, cooler friends decided that they'd take care of me so the girls decided that the best thing to do with her first, after asking who invited this person <laughs> was to put me in the shower and I'm assuming that was like wash away the shame or like <laughs> something so I'm in the shower and they leave me and they return to the party and I, I don't have very many memories of the evening, but I have this really clear picture of being in this, like, shower cubicle with my hair like the girl from The Ring. i like, hearing Green Day faintly in the background, <laughs> thinking, oh, no. I'm not being held back from East Midland's greatest pool party. <laughs> no, no, no. So I broke out of my watery prison and returned triumphantly to the party, naked. <laughs> to which point everyone is now seriously questioning who invited this person to the party and the the older cooler girls are like this is this is out of our hands now this is too far and so they alerted the the party adult who was barricaded in the room Um, she'd barricaded herself we were we weren't feral and um (laughs) She came out, looked at me once, she questioned who had invited her, and then decided that I needed some clothes, a bucket, and some bread. So I'm sat down, and she's giving me this bucket, and a little bit like a duck is just feeding me bread. (laughs) And unfortunately for my 15-year-old self, this isn't the lowest point, because I then decide that I don't like this bread, and I don't like brown bread. So I throw the brown bread at the mum in her face while shouting, I don't like brown bread. (laughs) And understandably, the mum decides it's time for this person to go to bed and put me to bed. They probably barricaded me in the room to to stop any returns. And I, I woke up in the morning feeling dreadful and with this like distinct feeling in my stomach that I had not got to grips with alcohol that night and probably on reflection still haven't quite got to grips with alcohol um, and that is my story so thank you for listening oh, and in one really weird twist of events I haven't seen the host of this party in 15 years and on the way here tonight bumped into him on the corner <laughs> That was Kate.
0: Next up, Rachel, with another story about awkward age. Thank you. It's 1979, I'm 18, and life is starting to look up. After a childhood of feeling awkward, other, as if I was living life at a tangent to everybody else, it felt as if I was starting to make sense of life after all. I had my place at university sorted. I was going out with a very nice boy whom I quite liked. Um, And I had a few months before I had to take up my university place. I had a gap year um, at a time when actually it wasn't very common to do that. So time was my friend. I got a couple of the usual crap jobs, saved some money and decided I'd go to France for a bit of an adventure. I chose what they called a cultural centre at a place called Cap D'Eye, which is the most beautiful place in the south of France. Now, I was too young to realise that um, cultural centre just meant excuse to go down and spend a lot of time on the beach. I actually thought we were going to go and learn something, and I particularly wanted to learn some French. So I said goodbye to the very nice boy I quite liked, said goodbye to my family, trotted off on the train, got to the south of France, got to the cultural center and saw the sea. It was so blue. The sky was amazing. It was the most glorious summer. The walls were so white. They were glimmering with an almost azure sheen. I saw the other people there, and I felt as welcome as a pork sausage in a synagogue (laughs) because everybody else was taller than me, was slimmer than me, was more tanned than me, was everything more than me, and my confidence that it had been growing a little bit went plummeting right down to my shoes. But there I was, and I wasn't about to turn around and go home and face the shame of not having managed this little tiny adventure. So I girded my loins, and in my absolutely appalling French, started to try to make friends. And then I realised that actually, not only were these, did these people look different from me, They also had none of my interests, and um, they had all got it about you come to a cultural centre to get off with each other and have fun on the beach. Oh, well. So for a couple of days, I tried to join in, and then another girl joined, joined in the group, and she was also different. She was small and slight, with the most amazing chestnut hair that just seemed to bounce out of her head, almost like electricity, and snapping eyes, and a very quick way of talking in German, because she was German, and her name was Brit. And um, in true Mills and Boone's style, our eyes met, and I immediately looked away. (laughs) But we started to talk, and this was really tricky, because I speak no German, and at that time, very little French. She spoke a tiny bit of English, and about the same amount of French that I did. We had a go at speaking, and actually we started to manage very well. And then a couple of days later, it was Sunday, and there was a really pretty little church in the uh, place where we were staying. And everybody said, well, look, why don't we all go down to the church on Sunday? Um, It'll be, you know, even if you're not religious, it's quite a nice thing to do. And Britt immediately said yes. But I said, no, I'm Jewish, I'm kind of awkward in church services, Um, not really me. I'll sit it out. I'll go and look at the church another time as a tourist. Fine, said everybody else. And Britt turned her back on me, and I couldn't believe it. What was going on? I mean, I knew she was German, but I'd, and I'd been brought up on tales of the war, but really? Really? This was 1979, what was going on? Well, I liked her too much to, um, to let this one go. So, again, I said, in the most appalling French, so it took me about all times to make myself actually understood, I managed to ask her what was going on, and she said, but surely you don't want to talk to me, I'm German. And I said, how can you be so ridiculous? Someone, Somehow, of course I want to uh, talk to you. And in, at that moment, we had this understanding and realised that we really, really wanted to be friends. But it was difficult because we didn't speak the same language. Somehow we managed to communicate. And I found out that she was a little bit older than me. She um, was trying to choose between studying medicine or studying philosophy. She was a great brain. Somehow we managed to talk about everything except what was going on between us. The uh, er-friendship. The uh, er-friendship. And the other thing that um, was getting in our way was a very practical thing it was the, one of the very few people at the centre who had a car. So everybody else was always bumming lifts off her, which annoyed the hell out of me. So in order to escape, we would get up very early in the morning, get in the car and drive. And I remember we went to Picasso's house in Antibes, which is where there are murals that he painted at the time and apparently couldn't afford any paints or paper or something. And I remember standing there in front of them, and it was awe-inspiring, and my hand went out, and her hand went out, and our hands touched, and we couldn't say what was going on. We did not have the language to do it. Well, a few weeks after that, I think I was staying there about a month, it was time for me to go home, and there was this passion between us, but we had not managed to talk about what was going on at all. And it was time for me to go. And she said to me, stay. I'm staying here for a couple of weeks. Can't you stay on? And truly, there wasn't any real reason why I couldn't. The very nice boy I was quite fond of, he could have waited. My parents wouldn't have minded. I had some money. But I could not face what it would mean to say yes to that extra couple of weeks. It was too scary. I did not have the language to myself, certainly didn't have the language to her in English or French or German. So I said, no, I've got to go. Okay, she said, I'll drive you. So we drove to this very pretty little station in Dai, and um, the train came in, and she got out of the car with me, and I got onto the train. The whistle went, and she jumped into the carriage with me. Stay, she said. Why won't you stay just for a couple of weeks? And I just said, I'm sorry, I really can't. Well, for about 20 minutes, she tried to persuade me, and then the next station came in, and she got off the train. I don't know how she got back, and I never saw her again. We'd exchanged addresses, and when I got back to London, I wrote to her in English, because I was too embarrassed to get somebody to um, translate what I'd written into German. And I poured out all my feelings about how how I felt about her, how much I liked her, how much I wanted to be with her, and how sorry I was that I hadn't gotten on the train. She never wrote back. But you know what, obviously, I still think about her from time to time. She'd be about 60 by now. And I don't know, she might be a philosopher, she might be a doctor, I doubt if the hair is still chestnut, although there might be a clever hairdresser involved, we never know. So you know what? If anybody's on their travels and they come across a really intelligent, beautiful six-year-old woman called Brit, (laughs) tell her Rachel says hi. Tell her I wish her well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Spark True Stories. If you love what we do...
1: Help us spread the word by leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you
0: listen to your podcast. To hear more true stories, or to see a live event, visit stories.co.uk.